Let's talk today about eight signs of religious danger, because I'm taking this very, very seriously. There's a lot of danger entering the body of Christ, a lot of danger. And especially when I think about Canada, I think about Toronto. My position on Toronto is that Toronto is rising to become a global city. There are many things happening that's making Toronto very attractive for people all over the world. And when the enemy sees that a city is becoming a global city, he fights for that city. That's why most of the global cities you see around the world, they are really cities that are struggling with issues of morality, decadence, LA, New York, Paris, London, because the enemy knows that Rome, global cities affect the world. Toronto is also becoming a global city. And so what you're seeing now are people migrating here, both unsaved and saved. And what you're going to find is that there are people that are going to come to Toronto and they they would have spent time uh, in different practices and they're going to start doing things in the city. And it's going to cause those of us who are not paying attention to be led astray. And we've seen glimpses of this. I want to try to help us so that when it begins to happen, in fact, I'm having conversations with people and they're just saying, God's sending me to the city. I said, okay, no problem. So I want you to think about these signs. I'm only going to do four of them, but I'm taking them very, very seriously. Yes, jog Robert, if you can quickly. What we'll do is 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to focus on these two verses, verses 1 and 2. Watch. Now the Spirit is speaking expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. and They shall give heed to seducing spirits. Underline that in your Bible if you're reading it out of your Bible. And there are doctrines that do not belong to God. A doctrine is a teaching. A teaching is designed to frame a mindset, to create followers. So there are doctrines that do not belong to God at all. And what they're going to do is they're going to be speaking lies. Thank you, Robert. Just wait one second. Speaking lies in hypocrisy because they've got their conscience seared with a hot iron. You do not want to follow a leader whose conscience has been burnt with an iron. What that means is that person has no sense of right or wrong. In other words, they have no moral feelings. And that is a dangerous person. Can I read some, some headlines just for you, just to show you can actually... I said, I'm not going to waste our video energy showing you these things. I'm just going to read them to you. I won't call the names of this, the, the individuals involved. I'll just read them. Lady alleged that prophet so-and-so wanted to use her for a ritual. Should I read that one again? Lady alleged that prophet so-and-so wanted to use her for a ritual. Pastor so-and-so makes his congregation eat grass outside. Part two, grass-eating pastor now has congregation drinking petrol. That's gasoline. Pastor makes members eat hair inside the church. Religious cult activity in Montego Bay ends up with three dead and others wounded after the JCF acted upon a tip that a sacrifice was taking place. Pastor so-and-so breaks silence on shaving female church members' pubic hairs in church. Now, this one I didn't make up. I saw this one for myself. Pastor flogs members with belts on their buttocks as preparation for ordination into ministry. Pastor, 
in a particular country, flogs his members for coming late to the service. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. We're in that day, brothers and sisters. We're in that day. And I want to show you some things. Robert, can I just uh, give you this back? I want to tell you this about religion, whether you know it or not. Religion has the ability to shape people's minds. It has that power, religion. That's what it does. It's a shaper of people's minds because human beings have been designed by God as sheep. And as sheep, we're the most, what, what would the word be? Docile of all creatures. We're easily led because we were designed to be led. We are the sheep of his pasture. So we're wired to be led. I want you to know that you and I, we are wired to be led. You know that sheep, they're so docile that if you actually, I read this, if you lead them beside waters that are rushing, the sheep will run away from the water and they won't drink from that water even if they're thirsty. They're very fearful creatures. Now you understand why David said, he leadeth me beside the still waters and there he restores my soul. We're sheep. I want you to know that. You may say, oh, no, I'm my own person. Innately, we're designed to follow. This is not even a new phenomenon. They understand this in the world of marketing. They understand how to get things to you, how to get you to buy things, how to get you to follow trends because the enemy is at work in, in these systems in the same way that God is at work in the kingdom of God, trying to get us to follow. The enemy knows that. I'll show you something. This is more academic than it is anything else. I'll give you a quote from a very famous, uh, I guess you'd be a political philosopher, um, social a scientist named Karl Marx, born in the 1800s in Germany. And he, he is the author of, I guess you would say, the, the author of socialism, ultimately what would today be known as communism. And he, his philosophy is what they would be using, well, coming through a guy named Lenin, it would be used now in countries like Russia, uh, China, Cuba, uh, North Korea, you know, and, and when you hear people talk about socialism, they're really talking about what this man came up with. And what this man did was when he was born, and he's not anti-religion, by the way. Some people may say he is. I don't think he is. He looked at the state of his country and the people in his country. He was born in Germany, and he realized that there were two classes that existed in his country. One class, he called them, this was the upper class, those who controlled all the means. He called them the bourgeoisie. You hear sometimes black people say you're acting very bougie. That's what they mean. The bourgeoisie, the upper class, they controlled the means of labor. They controlled everything. And he got upset at that because when he looked at the other group, they were called the proletariat. That's the masses. This is the working class. And he saw the disparity between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. They, the proletariat were those, this is what he said, they exchanged their labor and their energies for wages. So someone was paying them and paying them for their labors. And he looked at the disparity and he made this statement. This is the same. He said, Dach religion is das opium des Vox. That's German. He says, in other words, religion is an opiate to the people. Because what he did was he saw people going to services on Sunday and they would go back into the world in the same condition. And he realized that they needed religion almost as a drug to deaden the pain of their day-to-day -day lives. And he says, don't get rid of it. It's an illusion. They need it. Because when they wake up on Monday, they're going to have to go back into the rat race. 
And that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because even today you can see that, where sometimes, especially among certain groups, we come to church, we have an experience with God, and we need that experience because our day-to-day lives are just not what they should be. He's not far. He's not far when you think about it. And that's why sometimes we spend so long in church talking about ethereal things because the reality of our lives and the experience in church, they're not the same. And when you get into that situation, someone can easily begin to lead you in a particular direction. And they'll do that in the name of the Lord. Let's go. I'm going to show you some signs. I'll do four of them and I'll show you. Here's a critical sign. And I want you to say with me, whenever you see uneducated people and immature people leading, you are heading for trouble. I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm not going to shy away from people saying, uh, I, I don't need to go to school. My, 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 my teaching was at the cross. There is no school at the cross. There's absolutely no university at the foot of the cross. That's a cheap excuse for people who do not want to put in the time to study. But, watch brothers and sisters, don't get offended with me now, but you will never let your doctor tell you that he learned medicine at the foot of the cross. Just, just when he's about to operate on you, he says, well, you know, I, I didn't go to school. I, 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 I prayed and God showed me how to operate and trust me on this one. Where's your faith? But when you come to Zion, and Bishop Bismarck said this some 10 years ago, he said, you have to come to Zion to see the immature in leadership. And nowhere in nature do you put the immature in leadership. This is not new. Solomon said when he looked at the state of the world, he said, woe unto thee, O land, when thy king is a child. And thy princes, watch, eat in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and your princes eat in the evening by reason of strength and not drunkenness. In other words, people need to be educated. And the irony is that when you look at our congregations, the uneducated are the ones now that begin to run for titles. When I was in ministry for about, uh, starting this ministry for about six or seven years into the ministry, I got a phone call from a university in Florida. Now, I'm very academic in the sense that I know a lot of universities, and I checked, I didn't see this university anywhere. And they said, they said, we've seen what you're doing, we want to give you a doctorate. But I understand the process of getting a doctorate. It's not something you just give to someone, it's something that's earned, at least the ones that matter. At least the ones that matter. At least the ones that matter because when you are a doctor, you are actually making the statement that you are an expert in a particular field. I said to them, no, thank you. I'm okay. If, there, if I'm going to get one, I will earn one. I just don't want, want one behind my name. Paul said to Timothy, if you're going to put someone in the bishopric, make sure that they're not a novice. Because the enemy is going to cause them to be puffed up and be tempted in their own selves. Talks about committing this great message to faithful men who can then commit it to other faithful men. We're not saying that people shouldn't lead. We say you should earn your right to lead. And you should educate yourself and you should grow in so many ways until you're able to lead. Watch this. The second sign that you're in trouble is when you're 
in organizations that are obsessed with titles. Obsessed with titles. Obsessed. They will not stop even at the biblical titles. They'll add to it. So apostle is not good enough. They have to be chief apostle. Bishop is not high enough. Archbishop has to be there. Because we're never satisfied when we're running with titles. Because what we are doing is, we're not telling you this, we're scratching our egos. That's that part inside of you that just feels so good. Self-aggrandizement. It's dangerous, brothers and sisters. Can I tell you what the Bible teaches? And I'll show you some things that I do that people don't understand. To keep yourself at a certain place. The Bible says that if you are the greatest among someone, you should be their servant. The Apostle Paul taught this. You know, he said, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That's a slave. It's the Greek word doulos. That's a slave. He that wants to be greatest among you, let him be your servant. Can I tell you what I do? It may sound strange to you, and I try to hopefully allow our leaders to watch me. So on a Sunday, for instance, I will get up. I'll always be, I'll try to be the very first one here because I don't think you should lead people and come after them. It's just my opinion. And then I will run through the facility and I'll change the things in the bathroom. I'll make sure the bathrooms smell right. There's toilet paper. All the water's working. The soap dispensers are working. Go to the change rooms. Make sure that there's refreshments. All the change rooms, the chairs, are, everything's in place. Everything is right in the facility. Because you should never lead people and ask them to do things that you have not done yourself. Listen carefully. What are you doing? You're actually keeping yourself in check. Because you can begin to believe your own press that you're greater than who you really are. And the reality is our greatness is in Him. He is the one that's given us gifts and any mention of titles is because He has graced us to even have that conversation. All have sinned and come short of the glory. What are we worried about titles for? Remember I told you that it's okay to call me by my first name and religious people will have a, a conniption over that. But you're helping each other. Oh, I feel like telling a story. Jesus rose from supper and he did what they never thought he would do. He took us, he laid aside his garments and he took a towel which, which was really the instrument of servants. And he girded himself with a towel. Peter was thinking like this. Peter says, there's no way that you are going to wash my feet. He says to Peter, if I don't do this, you have no part or lot within me. Because I've given you the keys. I'm actually showing you how to be a servant. If you're not a servant, you're going to become an overlord. And you're going to beat the other stewards in the house. If you don't work on becoming a servant. The only title that I'm looking for from God is son. That's the only one that matters because that's the only one that you're going to hear. He's not going to say, well done, chief apostle. He's not going to say, well done, bishop so-and-so. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you might hear, this is my beloved son. If you're a girl, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Let's get all the titles out of the body now and let's do the work. How about that? Let's do the work. Watch. 
that merits anyone even suggesting the titles. I'm going to wrap it up with this last one. A preoccupation with miracles. Everything is about a miracle. We're so impressed if someone can blow and we fall down. Someone waves their hand and that whole section falls down. Here's the question I ask, and I'm not anti-miracle, because I understand miracles have their place and they're necessary, but they're not a destination. Here's the question I ask you. After you fall down, when you get up, how has it changed your life? Because it's not falling down that matters. It's what you do when you get up that matters. And because people want an experience, they don't think about, wait a minute, when I get up, do I have any more money? When I get up, is my life qualitatively better? And because we want experience, not empowerment, we run into the trap of miracles. On your own, read Revelation 16, and you will see that out of the mouth of the false prophet came frogs. John is using analogies, and he talks about how they're able to work miracles. It's not miracles that matter. It's the life that we live that matters. That's what really matters. And of course, do I want people healed? Absolutely. I told you that. That's part of the paradigm shift. But not as a destination, as a starting point to get us somewhere. And this is the last one. Whenever you hear people talk about, we need to get out of here. We need to get out of here. Let's start buying some food. Let's start storing up. We need to go. We need to go. That's dangerous. Because God does not expect us to live like that. He expects us to work until the very moment he cracks the sky. He expects us to occupy until that very moment when he comes. If you start seeing someone saying, we're buying rice and we're buying meat and we're doing this because we're in the end and, 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 and don't take that dem demonic vaccine, it's all, please brothers and sisters, stay away from that. He didn't call us out of the world. Rather, he called us to be preserved from the world that he might send us back into the world until he comes. Those are four signs. I'll do four more next week. Go over them and you will see that there's a lot of these things prevalent in the body. But here's a simple solution and we'll do it. Did you lose me? Can I get there? My simple solution. This is very, very important. I just need my solution. Yeah. Everything we do, let's just keep it about Jesus. Don't, if you would hear me, don't let anything be about Oramiko, this person, that person. It's all about him. The principle is he must increase. Watch, I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to do a little bit of what I'm not really supposed to do. I'm going to add something to the Bible. Not only should I decrease, I should disappear. So that when people see me, see us, they see him. For us to live is Christ and then to die is gain. Whatever we're going to do as a ministry, it's going to be about him. In the sanctuary, outside of the sanctuary. If you're going to build a house, we're doing it for his glory. If you're going to start a business, we're doing it for his glory. If you're going to go to the hospital and visit the sick, we're going there for His glory. Would you rise on your feet in the waiting moments of our service? Let's put Him back in the center. 
and let it be all about him. There are no stars in the church. There are no celebrities in the church. We can fall trap. Writing autographs, that's fine if you want to do that. I'm not going to say you can't do that. But be careful when we move in that direction. Were it not for him, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Every believer in this sanctuary, I want you to lift up your hands to him. Because it's all about him. Every breath we breathe is because of him. Every thought we think, it's because of him. We place Jesus, Jen, at the center. And nothing in this world really matters but him. Amen.